Welcome to the Powerlifting and Power Ballads podcast, where we bring you a weekly dose of powerlifting news, tips, and training advice with a touch of 80s rock ballads. This podcast is presented by Team Roar Powerlifting, your source of the most comprehensive coaching and meet day preparation. Here are your hosts, Josh Roar and Laura Sturm. Hello, and welcome to episode 109. What are we doing today, Josh? Uh, we'll start with some voting results. So we're in the middle of the top five TV show intro tournament, and we're down to the final four. Voting was happens on Saturdays, this past Saturday. Uh, you were against Amy Pancake, and it looks like Amy took you out. So 61% of the vote yeah. went to Amy. So she moves on to the championship. Uh, the other matchup was... Stacy Metcalf against Don Dotson and Don had 73% of the vote. So the championship round on Saturday will be Amy Pancake versus Don Dotson. The winner gets a $50 gift card to 110%. Wow. Hey, I'm just excited that I made it this far, you know, yeah. to be taken out right before the, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I mean, much better than not even making it in the wild card round like me. <laughs> Sorry, Josh, you're so What a loser. <laughs> oh man it's okay so, yeah so uh anyway championship voting will be uh saturday october 1st and the uh, instagram stories of the pl ballads podcast instagram page so go there on saturday vote for your best list and let the cards fall where they may yeah boy we're gonna have to start thinking about our next list that's a lot that's a lot can't that's a lot yeah that. maybe in like another three or four months so i did a little q a on the team or instagram and one of the questions that came in was how do you program for equip lifters and that was a little bit more in depth than i think we could really do in a instagram story reply so i figured we just talk about it here um and I'm sure everybody's different, but how I program for equipped lifters is is kind of looking at it from two different aspects. The first one being, how would we program from a standard principles of training standpoint if equipment wasn't involved? Um, and then the second part that throws the curveball for a lot of people and where the people get caught up is you can't always meet those desired principles when breaking in gear or when trying new gear, things like that. For example, you don't just like, if you're, if you're training plan and I'm just arbitrarily, arbitrarily saying this, if you're supposed to be doing five sets of three on bench at 75%, well, you can't just throw a bench shirt on and do five sets of three. The first time you have a bench shirt on most people can't even, you know, get halfway down. So, you know, how do we balance that? And usually what we try to do is, is take our overall, programming that we're trying to accomplish in the week or in the month or whatever, and then front load it or back load it, depending on when we're actually doing our gear work, because the gear work is going to be different. Um, it's going to fall outside of those parameters more than likely. So we have to adjust those around the breaking in of the equipment. And what I mean by breaking in of equipment for people that aren't familiar, just using a bench shirt, for example, the first time you put on a bench shirt, even if it's a used one, um, even if you've worn gear before, you're more than likely going to start with like a two or a three board press, meaning you're not coming all the way down to your chest. You know, and the other thing we're not really doing in gear that often is real high reps. So we need to look at, okay, how does that change the parameters 
that we're we're trying to accomplish this this training week. So if we're trying to again do five sets of three at at seventy five percent, if we throw on a bench shirt and we're now doing a three board, say two reps is all we all we can do because that's all we can you know breathe and stay positioned for right now. Okay, well that changes obviously the training effect, but it also it's a shorter range of motion. And it's also a heavier load than you'd be handling raw, but also where people kind of get a little bit mixed up is we look at separate training maxes for different variations. So, you know, if your raw bench is just make this simple is a hundred pounds, our normal programming that we would plan to do might be five sets of three at 75%, which would be 75 pounds. Well, you might need 110 pounds to get to a three board in a bench shirt. Well, that's 110% of your raw max. So if we're looking at, you know, relative intensities, that's going to way jack up our training. And that's not really the case because, you know, we're looking at one rep max of, in this case, a three board bench press. So 110 pounds might still fall in that 75% range of, uh, of what your one rep max of a three board shirt bench would be. So that's where we kind of got to mold and, and shape things to, to one, still meet our, our criteria in our, our principles of training that we're trying to accomplish, but two, give us a chance to learn the gear and, and finding that balance is really what we try to do. You know, so how that might, how that might look, um, you know, if you're normally, you know, if you're training raw four days a week, you know, you may, you let's just say Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday are your training days. You know, we might normally squat Mondays and Fridays, deadlift Wednesdays. I'm just using that as an example. So we might have our raw squat day on Monday and, and do our normal, you know, training there, knowing that our Friday is going to be a little bit different or less overall volume because we're, you know, doing fewer reps, less, uh, maybe less sets because we, you know, we're, we're getting used to gear and it's, it, it rubs your skin, right. It can, it can make some, a little bit of painful marks, you know, in the beginning. So you might not be doing as much volume until your body gets used to that. So, you know, if we're, had planned the five sets of three on a Friday that might become like a three sets of two. Okay. Well, we might need to adjust our overall volume heavier in the beginning of the week or add maybe some raw squats or something after the, the equipped squat to make sure we still get the desired workload for the week. So, you know, it's really not, it's really not changing the core principle of what we're trying to accomplish. It's just shifting it a little bit in terms of how it lays, how, how it falls in the week, you know, and, and especially with like a bench where you're, you're already training multiple times a week, it's easier to accommodate that, uh, that shirt work, because that's just one of your, typically one of your bench days out of maybe three or four in the week that you normally have squat and deadlift is where it gets a little bit trickier because like for us, like most of, most of our lifters that are equipped, like we only deadlift once a week as it is most of the time. And you know, when we get within, you know, eight to 10 weeks, we got to start learning how to use the gear. So it might be a scenario where we don't even raw deadlift for 10 weeks. Um, we're only, you know, doing, you know, suit bottoms or, or full gear. So, you know, we need to make sure that we're getting the desired workload, especially again, if the volume is lower overall for those deadlifts, we might need to be doing it with, you know, RDLs, reverse hypers, you know, various movements to get that overall training stimulus that targets the deadlift specifically, because we're, you know, again, just doing less overall with the actual um, equipped deadlifts and in, in, the, in the beginning, at least. So I don't, I don't know if that hopefully answers the question that, that he had, how we program. I mean, it, our programming is still, if you take 10 of our equipped lifters, 
and look at all of their programming, all 10 of them are, are programmed differently based on their individual needs, number of days they can train, how much time they have, you know, what gear they have. Some people have loose gear. Some people have tight gear. Um, some people just have one set of gear and they wear it for all of it. So we have to accommodate that by using, you know, boards, partial ranges of motion until we can get to the full range of motion, things like that. People that have the looser gear or, or even a slingshot in the bench scenario, you know, we can kind of still adapt to the normal training plan a little bit with the loose gear quicker than we can if we only have one set. So there, there's really a lot of variables that go into it. I always tell people like when you're, when you're trying to set up programming, like almost think of it from a, a common sense standpoint first, just shift things around a little bit so that you can kind of still do the the same relative intensity for the week um, and same volume relatively for the week, just changing, you know, where it lays in the week and whether it's raw or equipped. There, there's a fine line between, you know, being really, really book smart, like training and very, very like hands-on realistic, like how things go. And I've actually had this conversation with some of my exercise science professors in college when I was, we were kind of collaborating on things is, you know, he's like, well, do, do your five sets of three at, at 75% today. And I'm like, well, I'm putting a bench shirt on for the first time. He's like, so, and, and like, there's the disconnect there because they don't really understand how a bench shirt works. So it was actually really interesting for me to kind of be on that side of it, like explaining to the, you know, the book smart people, like why we can't do that today. And, and then they get like, really kind of, you see the gears turning like, oh, all right. So how do we, how do we restructure this uh, to, to fit the overall plan? And it was actually really kind of fun working, working with them in college. Um, You know, just the, the, the different perspectives of how to, make the overall plan work when introducing gear. Interesting. Yeah. And I think there's more than one way to do it. Like you said, you're going to have 10 different lifters with 10 different programs. It's, it's uh, both science and art. Yeah, it really is. I think a lot of people like kind of laugh when you say that, like it's partial science, partial art, but it really is just take learning the bench shirt, take out training principles completely, just off the top of your head using common sense, like, what would make sense to learn how to use this thing? Well, learn it in stages. Don't start with the tightest shirt you ha- you can find, like, you know, ease yourself in. Okay. Well, just right. again, just take that part of it. And then, you know, look at the opposite side, the training principle side of it. Okay. Well, how do we do both at the same time? And, you know, that's, that's really kind of how we, how we look mm-hmm. at how we approach training equip lifters. But what makes equipment so much fun? Everything. Yeah it's awesome you'll have to try it and find out oh fun fact (laughs) i don't know if i'm spilling the beans or not um but so olivia is one of our raw lifters she's doing the uh georgia state bench meet in a shirt just something different because like she's not doing a a big meet until the georgia state meet in february so just something to kind of scratch the competitive itch a little bit do something a little bit different and somebody else on the team i'm not going to mention names has reached out to me today, I believe it was, might have, might have been yesterday, asking or saying that they, they've seen Olivia in a shirt and they want to try a shirt. Can they do that? I'm like, hmm. yes, you can. Yes. So hmm. I like it. Yeah. So people experiment with it. And and I do, you know, a lot of people get caught up in, you know, well, equip lifters, blah, 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 blah. Well, I do think there is value in raw lifters training and gear. I do think it helps with you know, certain aspects of technique, 
certain aspects of range of motion deficiencies, you know, strength and different range of motion deficiencies, all of those things. So overload. Over yeah, overload. When used correctly, I do think gear can benefit raw lifters as well. Even mm-hmm. if that's not going to be your primary right. method of competing. Totally agree. Yeah. So I I want to just circle back a little bit to the the new IPF bench rule. I don't know. Are you even familiar with it? Yes, okay. I am. I have been watching. So I, I posted a little <laughs> clip of, of Katie and I's conversation about it and the comments on the team or Instagram about that. There were some valid points and there was a bunch of this bullshit. Just some of the things, for example, like I genuinely don't think it's going to be very easy to see elbow depth from the sides, which means I only agree. one referee can you see can. it. And, you know, if that's the case, then it's That's it's like the head coming for. up. It's, it, well, it's the head. It's like the head coming up. If the head comes up six inches, chief referee sees it. The sides don't. Well, it's still a good lift, even though it's a clear violation of the rule that everybody saw. And I think this is going to be kind of the similar a similar thing. Like you're going to not hit quote unquote bench depth and get two to one good lift because the sides don't see it. So what's the point? Yeah. Well, I mean, and when you're judging from the side of squat, you're looking at one side, like looking at both at the same time look i mean if as a head referee because that's the only one who could see it if the elbows get past the shoulder like how is a head ref supposed to see that look at the head look at both elbows in relation to the shoulder and do commands i wouldn't be able to do it i'd be like uh i don't know i i think i wouldn't be able to look at all at once nope yeah it's it's a lot and maybe maybe it makes for a little bit longer press call um which right Again, that in itself then kind of goes against the rule when the, once the bar is motionless. So if the bar is motionless and then you're like checking, checking, then you say press. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, but the little sprinkled in nugget in this rule that a lot of people haven't mentioned, and I don't even think we mentioned last week, is you're not allowed to put your feet up on the bench when you're setting up. That's that's added to this rule too. So when you're getting right. into position. And why? 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 I don't know if it's a sanitary reason, if it's trying to limit the amount of arching people can do, but I think that's going to be a real big problem for equipped lifters because I don't know any equipped lifters. I'm sure I do Hmm. that don't put your feet up on their bench. Did you, you put your feet up on the bench when you set up, right? Yeah. Yeah. And pretty much everybody that I know does. I mean, minus like some of the super heavyweight Mm -hmm. guys, they just kind of plop down and they're, they're good. But most. Yeah. And I just, I don't see the point of that. I, I get, okay. I understand why you're trying to do the elbow thing. Like you're trying to limit how much people can arch. So you don't have that person with a ridiculous arch that moves the bar two inches. I get that totally. I, you know, I can kind of see some validity there, even though I don't think you can judge it. I don't think you can. I'm not even, I mean, straight up, I'm not even sure I'm against the two inch range of motion. If you can get your body in that position. I mean, most people are against it. And so I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate here, but the rules of for bench have pretty much been the same since the beginning of powerlifting. I mean, give or take some little things. I think people just now are beginning to take the time to work on that aspect of the bench to be able to minimize the stroke. So it's not like all of a sudden something changed where everybody's bending these rules. I mean, there's a, there's in the big scheme, not a lot of people are doing that. But if you're willing to put that much time and effort into developing your arch like that, then why, why not? You know, I'm not doing that. I'm not spending that much time working on it. So those that are should be able to use that to their advantage, in my opinion. Yeah. I just don't understand like why they would want to change it now. I mean, if that has been a rule since forever, why are they changing it now? 
I, I mean, my again, my assumption is it's just because they, you know, the, the IPF's trying to look good in the eyes of the Olympics and they want something that people can relate to, which I get that aspect of it, but there's, there's a lot of things with, you know, powerlifting in general, like squatting to depth, the general person doesn't know why a squat's not good when it's an inch high. The general person doesn't know why that deadlift got red lights because it had downward motion. He stood all the way up with it. The general person doesn't know that, oh, they locked out the bench press, but their elbow was a little bit bent, but they pushed it all the way up. Why didn't it count? So like, there's still those aspects of the, of all the lifts that people, the general public don't understand. So maybe this one just looks that much worse to people. I don't know. And, And in, in all fairness, looking at some of the you know message boards and forums and stuff like that, like anytime somebody posts even a moderate arch, people are all over like bench with a gym and somebody in Timberlands tell me not to arch. I'm like yeah, hey. because it's gonna hurt your back or you know that's that's cheating yourself because you're not getting a full range of motion. Like not understanding the point of powerlifting is to move the weight from point A to point B and back up within the rules. And if that you know if that's an inch for you or if that's six inches for you, the rules are the same. Um, and, and Katie brought up a, a point last year, last week after we quit recording that I thought was, I, I thought about a little bit afterwards, uh, you know, how many people are going to injure shoulders now because they have to, mm-hmm. you know, bring their grip in more and go much further down or they can't arch as much. So the angle that your sho- shoulders mm-hmm. rotating at is much greater. Um, yep. I, I think that'd be an interesting case study to see, uh, you know, if, if shoulder injuries go up on from this. Right. And I got to say, I don't think I could get in position with a shirt without putting my feet on the bench. Yeah, I, I agree. And I don't, I personally don't wear a tight shirt, but that is still a big part of me getting into position is being able to do that. But luckily the majority of us don't have to worry about it because we don't compete in the IPF. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so there you go. <laughs> nanny, nanny, boo, boo. Yeah, I mean, we have a few on our team that do, and the, I think the only rule that would actually come into play would be the feet up on the bench part. Um, right. Pretty much everybody, put it this way, none of our lifters have very tremendous arches where that would be a factor. Right. We all have moderate to good arches. <laughs> a, a nice size arch. Nice size, <laughs> nice, nice, yeah. nice size arch. Yeah. Some of the feedback we've gotten is. People want to hear from our lifters. So our team or lifters, not necessarily like only the ones that, you know, have competed at the international level, but like all of them. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to be an open invitation that we're going to do starting, well, hell, starting next week. Um, try to have just one of our lifters on, you know, w- once a month would be a good, reasonable plan and just mm-hmm. kind of hear their story, how they got into lifting, like some of their challenges, stuff like that, because everybody starts from a different place. and you know, some of our lifters are pretty new. So I think having a a pretty new lifter share their experience is very beneficial to other new lifters looking to get into the sport. One other thing we're going to start doing is probably once a month also inviting some of the USA powerlifting registered clubs in Georgia, uh, you know, whoever's in charge of those to, to be on and kind of talk about what they do, you know, why they have their club, you know, if they have a gym, what their gym's like, where it's at, you know, stuff like that. Because I think people are looking for those things. Like, you know, they want to, they want to hear from people. And I think we, we kind of are, our, our main deal is covering Georgia powerlifting. So why not have some of them on and, and meet directors and, and referees too. I think we can sprinkle in there too. But so I think that format might let us do, you know, 
a team roar lifter and a registered club, that's two. Um, so two out of the four to five months where, you know, we'll have a guest on and one of those capacities. Be weeks. Fun. Two, I said months, two, two out of the, the four to five weeks per month. Talking's hard. Yeah. yeah it's talking's hard. hard. People get the idea. Yeah. Yep. Well, good. All right. So uh, let's go into the powerlifting situation. Um, you're lifting in a meet against your rival. You turn in your openers and shortly later, you take a look at the scoreboard, 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 and notice that your rival has openers that really outpace yours. How should you react to this? Smile, walk away. Cause it doesn't mean shit. There's no reason to take into account any of that until you get to deadlift. Maybe they're fake. Maybe they're real. If they're real, increasing your openers isn't going to do anything either if you can't lift that much. So what's the point? Um, I think it's all smoke and mirrors. Whether your rival intentionally put in fake openers or not, even if those are the, the, the legit numbers, looking at them and, and worrying about them is going to mess with you. So don't even don't even pay attention. Agree. Um, this is actually something that happened to me at a national meet and um, my rival put in fake numbers and I saw them and I was like, oh, Josh, oh my gosh, I'm fucked. I might as well go home. And uh, they were fake. She dropped her openers right before we went. And I can't remember what year that was, how the outcome went, but it didn't. It didn't matter. I got talked at down. The end of the day. It didn't yeah. matter. No. So it almost worked. Right. It did freak me out for a second. No, and I did freak out for a second. <laughs> Valid. But, you know, my tip would be, don't do that. So I had to shake you. Stop it. Stop it. I think you told me, we can leave. If you want to leave, we yeah, can. That's prob- that, sounds, that sounds like something I'd say. I've, I've actually kind of gone more passive aggressive with, with my lifters <laughs> as, uh, as, as I've gotten older and more old man status. Somebody's like, man, I don't, I don't feel like doing good mornings today. Yeah, you're right. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, getting stronger is really over, overhyped. Like, let's not do that. Yeah. <laughs> you don't really need to work out. You'll probably be fine on meat day. When people squat high, I'm like, so a lot of people genuinely say this and it, it, it pisses me off. They're like, well, it'll be there on meat day. I like to say that as a coach, very sarcastically so that they know I'm joking. Um, and they know that I need them to get lower. So like somebody squats high, I'm like, yeah, it's two inches high, but you know what? You'll probably be there on meet day. So I wouldn't worry about it. You don't really need to go any lower because the referees, they probably won't even notice. And I try to make it like very clear, like squat lower. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Great technique, Josh. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the Peloton. Yeah. It's a great skit. And if you don't know what we're talking about, you should Google that SNL. I think it Josh, is. Josh, sum up your coaching and your coaching style in one word. Peloton. Peloton. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. On to the new lifter tip. Um, your squat can be affected by your arches. Dropped arches can equate to unengaged hip rotation. Make sure you're ripping apart the floor with your feet when you're squatting to engage hip rotation. So that was something that um I used to coach people to do pretty often is look at and looking at their arches from the get go. Um, cause it can matter. Yep. It does. And I think a lot of people don't pay attention to some of those things. I mean, it, it's not just, it's not just squat. I mean, there's different things for, you know, squat bench deadlift at all little things like that, that you wouldn't think about. Well, shoot, even knee, knee pain or hip pain doesn't mean it's a hip problem or a knee problem. Like it could be, 
coming from, you know, ankles. It could be coming from, you know, whatever dropped arches, like you said here. So, all right. So round four of voting is coming up real quick, real soon. But yeah, last round of voting, the championship is actually on uh, October 1st. So this Saturday, the last round, we'll see who wins. Either Amy Pancake or Don Dotson is going home with a $50 gift card from 110%. Um, big shout out to them. They sponsored us for this uh, this tournament. So they are donating that to the winner. Very nice. And if anybody has any ideas for any uh, the next music list, please reach out. Yeah. Let us know. Let us know. We'll, uh, we'll solicit our guests next week. Our, our listen our guests we will solicit our guests. So, solicit our guests yeah so if any of you out there are one of meet one of these criteria one of our team roar lifters or uh have a registered club and want to be on the podcast you can shoot us a di- direct message i will be reaching out um in the next couple of weeks uh, if i don't hear from anybody which is probably going to be the case because let's be honest who's, who's really listening <laughs> to this my mother that's about it <laughs> Really? No, she doesn't even listen. Oh, yeah, I figured. All right. Well, until next week. Bye now. Very nice. Bye now. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of the Powerlifting and Power Ballads podcast, please remember to subscribe and share it with your friends.